if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Hey fam, so I have a guest on the show today that you will not be surprised by. It's me. Mm-hmm. You don't know who that is. Maybe you do now. You, they totally know who it is. I am Alexa's better half. <laughs> it's been said by myself. <laughs> yes. So coming at you with another, I'm sure, delightful and hilarious and hopefully very <laughs> playful while also being very deep conversation with my main man, my one and only. I'm nothing without you. You, you com- said it, not me. You complete me. <laughs> Jordan Marie Spoutich. Yay. Ah, 
crowd goes wild. <laughs> you know what? Probably one of the buttons on this will do an applause. Should I try one? Yes, you okay. should. Uh, just hang on. Yep. That feels celebratory. I don't know how to make it stop. I think you just press it again. Yep. You want to do all 10 of them? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I don't know what any of the rest of those buttons does. And I know one of them does a round of applause. I think it's the yellow one. Should I try it? Yep. Can I press it? Press it one time. <gasps> yes. You were right. Yeah. is on the show. Oh, stop. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> so um, I don't know if, if I told you this, but this is actually a bonus episode. So this is one that isn't in the regular schedule. Yep. And we're just assaulting everyone with wow. something that they didn't ask for. <laughs> it's not hot right now. <laughs> so what we're talking about today, men's work and what it means for a man to do the work. Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. So I so. want to crack open this conversation because, well, for a number of reasons. So first off, just a couple little stats and a quick rundown. My audience, whether that be in my Facebook group, on Instagram, our email list, is swayed roughly 70%-ish women, roughly 30%-ish men. Mm -hmm. And every now and then I get a message from a guy who's following me, us, and it's just a little nudge of encouragement. And it says, I love what you do. I just want to let you know that there are male followers out here too who are really getting a lot of goodness from the content that you produce and the content mm-hmm. and the uh, information that you share. And it always touches my heart. And I look at, you know, the work that uh, the team's head coach, Bryn and I, we create a lot of content that is for women because we are that demographic. We yeah. create a lot of content for who we are basically. And I know that what we put out there is really beneficial to all types of people. Sure. and. Every now and then I get a question, whether it's from a, um, a female audience member or community member who's in a relationship with men or who dates men. And they say, what would be your recommendation for men who are looking to do the work? And, you know, when I first got started in this, let's say roughly about four and a half years ago, I didn't get that question very much. More often than not, the question was, where are all the conscious men? <sighs> and now it's questions of who would you recommend sending my guy to, or where could I find more information? It's more inquisitive. And I wonder if that's just kind of a, a mark of where we're at with people, humans relating and everyday humans being, it's more acceptable to be doing the work of personal development as a woman as well. It, it always has been as a woman, but now that the questions have shifted, it's more digestible and palatable and understanding that men are doing it as well. And I think a lot of that is certainly post the whole me too era or in the me too era. I don't really know what the language is for that, but um, I'm just seeing more and more inquisition. Inquisition is not the word. (laughs) I always want to use inquisition. It is not the word. More queries. (laughs) Right. For (laughs) men and people wanting more information about where can men go to do Work. Yes. Men's work. So that's enough of the context laying out because really I would like to use this conversation and this podcast episode to really crack open what that was like for you 
because I know what it's like on my side. Women have been doing the work essentially. I mean, at least we have a story, very collective (laughs) generalization here. Uh, We have a story that we've been in and we've been doing it for quite some time beforehand. And now we're demanding that the men show up and do the work too. And so I'm curious, what was that? What has been your journey into men's work? Because it's something that you do now professionally and as a part of your career. Um, But of course, a whole life has played out and unfolded for you that has led you to actually facilitating. Sure. Where does one begin? Um, I'll say a couple things. I think you're spot on with kind of like women have led the charge in personal development and doing the work. And I've heard it called like the divine feminine rising. And there's like what I perceive to be sometimes some cheesy AF posts that use a lot of fluffy spiritual language. But I think the core of it is very true where it's like, yeah, women have kind of stepped up and have been doing so for quite some time. And men, there's been some level of resistance, aversion. And I say that slash I know that because it's true for me and many men that I connect with both in professional capacity, friends, men's groups I'm in. Um, So it's a thing. And I think part of that is a lot of men's work for me has not been terribly palatable, Mm -hmm. has not been very, just hasn't resonated, hasn't felt inviting. It's been um, a little too woo-woo, like couldn't quite grasp it. And so that was my experience getting into the official work. And I felt like when I hear even just like the work, you you have to automatic air quotes and like, I got to put a little distance between myself and that. Yeah. It feels constricting at times. It like feels cliche in a sense. And then I get this image of like Eckhart Tolle and just like very monotone, like an ascended master, so to speak, Mr. Eckhart Tolle, the power of now and many other power of power of meow. (laughs) I say that too much. Probably. probably (laughs) I'm going to write a book called the power of meow. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably more entertaining version of it though. That book changed my life. It's an incredible book, right? And I think it's it's a starting point for a lot of people. Um, but if you've ever heard Eckhart Tolle talk, or if you listen to that on Audible, like I did, I actually couldn't even finish the book. Granted, I was at a different stage in my journey at that point. It wasn't like early on. So I feel like, okay, I've got most of this in one way or another. Like this isn't speaking to me in this season. But that being said, incredible content. And those kinds of things oftentimes don't resonate with me. So kind of rewinding a bit to more directly address your question. Where did men's work start with me? I think certainly my whole life, there's been elements of it present, but I would say a couple key places it started. One was in my fraternity, which Mm -hmm. might sound kind of ironic to people like men's work in fraternity. Aren't y'all like getting, you know, blacked out drunk and I was going to say something kind of dark Dark and assaulting women and assaulting women. Yeah. I was going to even say it darker than that, but like that's. And I will say there are stereotypes for a reason across the board in all areas of society. And that was not my experience. Um, Of course, elements of that, of toxic masculinity, if you will, were certainly present, but overwhelmingly my my experience was very positive. Mm -hmm. Incredible rites of passage, initiation experience, shared initiation experiences, which I think are um, a part of the work that most resonates with me. A lot of like business and life training um, and 
just like camaraderie and brotherhood. Sure. And so that's what really started. And we had a lot of ritual around that that was just, that has really served me as I've continued to work through life and create some of my own programs and being in other um, experiences beyond that. So that's like kind of the big place where it started. Right. So I'm curious for the listeners, what was role modeled to you when it comes to like, this is, this is how I be a uh-huh. good man in the world. Oh, geez. What um, did you see growing up? So my parents got divorced when I was like two and they separated. I grew up predominantly with my mom in Ohio and spent summers with my dad in California. And that told me a lot unconsciously, just that right there. When, when I couldn't even like make sense of that, cause I was just like the reality that I was in from such a young age before I could really logically make sense of things. So, you know, taking that a layer deeper of what that said to me, that said, dads aren't present, men aren't present. Um, abandonment, um, feelings of like, I'm not good enough. If my dad's won't do whatever it takes to be with me physically all the time, or, you know, most of the time, then there's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with men in general. And, and men aren't safe. Um, fathers are not responsible. A lot of those things. And it, it even kind of hurts me to say that. And I know that Shit, I imagine some stuff's coming too. up for you for sure. It fucking hits me too. And, you know, my dad, we talk every day. Um, <laughs> you literally had to tell your dad to, to stop call calling <laughs> so that we could record this yeah. podcast because yeah. you were about to do something with your phone. Yeah. And so, and that's been the case pretty much my entire life. So when I was growing up in Ohio, he would call me every day. And so, did he consider I will, that as like a replacement? To some degree, sure. It was like that was what he was willing to do. I almost said that's all he could do, but that's bullshit. That's a story. And that's something I've gotten more aware of as I've grown up. It's like where there's a will, there's a way. Um, And in that context, very real. Um, So, like, I do want to say, like, he at least did that. And (laughs) I just, I got to do this. You know, Mm -hmm. I got to do this. This is how a typical conversation starts with my dad. Again, talk every day. Hey, best son, it's your best dad. I was just driving along the freeway, thinking about you, praying for you. How's my best son doing today? Mind you, he has three sons and we're all his best son. Um, and he is a like committed Christian, natural born, so to speak, evangelist. So like his highest calling is to convert people to the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. The only um, begotten son. The only begotten son. Lamb of God. He yes. takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on us. I am that us. I am. Uh, so yeah, that gives a little context for him. And like, he is very affectionate with his words. Although he's kind of funny with hugs. He does do like the kind of old school man hugs where you're like, we'll grab you with one army and throw really you away. Fast and like throw you away. Two seconds. But he'll like, he'll say, you'll never be too old for your daddy to give you a hug and a kiss. And he'll kiss me really awkwardly on like the, my top of my head. Like he doesn't get my face. Cause that might be like kind of weird and Gay. Um, gay. Yeah, which exactly. is unfortunate. And yeah. I mean, my dad's also 76. 70. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be 77 in like a week. So he's, <sighs> you know, he's even before baby boomers technically is like right on the cusp of that. So all that to say the stories, um, that's a big story. And then beyond that, since my dad wasn't present, who was present? My older brother was the main person. Yeah. My older brother's my best friend, fucking love him. He's like just about four years older than about three and a half or so years older than me. 
not equipped to be a father figure, especially without strong masculine presence for him to pull from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he got in like a lot of trouble. He was a bit of a troublemaker growing up, um, or I should say not, not him personally so much, but the people that he hung around with, he hung out around with older guys that were getting into shit. So like my house, cause my mom, single mom was not around very much at all. Um, my house was the place where a lot of firsts happened. First time drinking alcohol, smoking weed. Feels funny to call it weed. That's I not call politically it correct. Nowadays. Yeah. Marijuana. No, that's also Even worse, I know. propaganda. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> And, you know, first time hooking up with girls and stuff like that. So yeah, my brother, somewhat of a father figure and, you know, he was there for me. He was there for me as a big brother. And he also, you know, fucked me up at times like big brothers do. Um, But that is no substitute for like a real mature, grounded, present father. Mm. Yeah. So what did you wind up seeing modeled? Yeah. So I saw... A lot of like, uh, you know, the word that comes up for me is like, well, let me just give context before I say the works is charged. It's like talking about your feelings or expressing emotion. Um, you were called a pussy in the circles I grew up in. Mm-hmm. It's like you fucking pussy. So be anything but that. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be overly authentic or vulnerable, like posture, um, save face, you know, be cool. And mm-hmm. that definition of cool is so uncool. Right. Um, there's, I think there's elements, you know, you could pull some little things out of there and be like, oh, I get it from this angle on the other side of it, but overwhelmingly awful. And relationship with women, it was very much um, what was cool. And this was never authentic to me. And I think most people, if they really dug deep, this wasn't authentic to them either, but it was just the culture that was perpetuated is like women are less than. Mm-hmm. It's like a women are, you know, a means to an end in a sense. They're a tool for me. Um, yeah. Those kinds of things. Like we, like we kind of need them, but we also don't really need them. Yeah, exactly. Like they need us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so as a young man, eventually moving, spending some time in California yeah. and then eventually going to school in California, yeah. um, becoming a preteen and a teenager and mm-hmm. mostly in California. Yeah. How was that transition um, going into like becoming a young man? Great question. So yeah, I moved back to California full-time my freshman year of high school. So I went from a relatively small town in the Midwest in Ohio to Orange County. And I moved in with my mom and my grandparents. What were you going to say? Like you're going to say some it was shit. Significantly more progressive of a state, oh, yeah. but not necessarily progressive of a home environment because your grandparents were uh pastors of the the non-denominational charismatic church i'm talking like slain in the spirit speaking in tongues like i know my grandmother's tongue still is and that like, your grandmother's or was that auntie margo's <laughs> auntie margo, that's a fun inside joke the auntie margo oh. was the sunday school teacher and she was oh. a small person Midget is what I used to call them, but no. I don't know if that's politically correct. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. And oh. and she was actually, fun fact, an Ewok for Star Wars. <laughs> and she was, oh and what's funny God. about Auntie Margo, she wasn't even my aunt, but for whatever reason <laughs> that she's been dubbed Auntie Margo. Oh my Slain in the Spirit. I'm going to give a quick example of oh Slain in the Spirit for y'all that don't maybe know. My grandpa, Papa, who is the pastor of this church in Orange County, um, there would sometimes be altar calls for 
the pastors to lay their hands on people that needed healing. Auntie Margot, she was first in line She's every time the call was healer there. Needer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. She could never have enough healing. If picking up what I'm putting down <laughs> and I'm kind of being playful. I loved that woman. She was just yeah. so kind and incredible. And my grandpa would lay his hand on her. And what I appreciated about this church and like my grandpa's, you know, you see some of the Benny Hen stuff. I think that's right. And like other in that movement, which is really big in like the eighties and nineties. And it's like this really aggressive, intense, like the dude's sweating and he like pushes people up, <laughs> like knocks them over. My grandpa didn't do that. He was just hands. But Auntie Margot was fallen, AKA slain in the spirit. Yeah. And then me and my brother would see her and, and she would like, we'd be watching her like a hawk. Is she, is she faking it? Is it real? And then she would like scratch her nose. Like, ah, you're faking it. Like, <laughs> anyways, tangent aside, that was the shift. So then we went from my mom being a single mother who worked at a bar and was drank and partied. And I always felt very loved by my mom. Like she, a lot of affection and like, she loved me and I knew that and felt that, but she was not present either. Right. And so then we went from that environment doing whatever I wanted with no oversight, no masculine, feminine parental figures. And then I go to my grandparents in this kind of a setting in Orange County. I don't know anybody at this high school. It's like a 3000 person high school as opposed to like the 500, the one I was about to go into, if that, and it was a radical shift for sure. And then it was like, my papa, my grandpa embodies a lot of really wonderful masculine traits. Mm -hmm. um, just like a man of God, a hard worker, supports the shit out of his family, out of his wife, out of his kids, shows up every day, doesn't take days off, like puts in the work. And I, that mm -hmm. was where I'm getting like some God buns, feel a little emotion in my body. Yeah, my papa's awesome. And that was an incredible example. Now, not, you know, all of it necessarily resonated, but a lot of it did. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can share about the next step in that. And what is, so, what is the next step in that? From there, my mom <laughs> moved back to Ohio. And after a couple of years of that, and I was, I was established at this point. I was like, oh, I like California. I'm now 16, junior in high school, but I can't really live with my grandparents anymore. Like I could, but it was, it was time for them to learn how parents anymore, especially my mom leaving. So I moved in with my aunt and uncle who were also pastors of the same church and lived close by my auntie Lisa and uncle Gary. And that's an actual aunt. Yes. An actual Versus auntie Margo, who bless her heart. Yes. Is a, not a real aunt. Right. Um, <laughs> an aunt nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> and so my auntie Lisa and uncle Gary were another example that had plenty of similarities, but also many differences. And it was another wonderful flavor of masculinity and of, of fatherhood. I would say, yeah, my uncle Gary, a lot of his style resonated with me more, at least from, I'll say like an emotional perspective. Um, he was, he is very just authentic and vulnerable and loving and kind, considerate, contemplative, um, a lot of like the the most early, and it's funny I'm recalling this right now, the most early personal development work I ever did, wouldn't have called it that, didn't know it was necessarily that, was in just casual conversations with him where he would talk about the difference between love and fear and like what it looks like to do things from fear rather than love. And it's like, mm. that is like the, and this, you know, that was 20 years ago, close to almost 20 years ago. Like that was pretty radical cutting edge stuff at that time, I would say. For you. Yeah, for, for sure. me, for sure. And so that was then the next, the last couple of years of high school was more of that influence. 
I love them. And love your papa too. And I love hearing you speak about them like that because I definitely have um, very fond memories of my grandfather too. Now I have very fond memories of him as a grandfather. So I don't know what he was like to be like a a father and a child. Sure. Because I feel like maybe that was a totally different experience, but you know, little Alexa sitting on his lap, wanting him to, you know, he would always have this um, particular like shop pencil in his <laughs> overall pocket. And I always, I was so fascinated when he could sharpen it with his knife, with his pocket. Oh, and I loved that. And I would like mm-hmm. go and pull it out to see if it was ready to sharpen. And uh-huh. if it was sharpened already, I'd be upset and I'd put it back. In his oh, pocket. that's and adorable. He always had so much stuff in his overall <laughs> pocket. It's like a little notebook and glasses and the pencil and the, all this stuff. And so I, I just, I have super fond memories of that too. And, and I didn't have, um, I didn't have great masculinity or a male role model in my life too. So like in hearing a lot of your experience, of course, I, I'm curious, you know, how we wound up being attracted to each other because there's so much that is similar. You know, of course there are a few key things that are different, but um, yeah, definitely a lot of similarities and what's, I'm just going to use the word unfortunate and I mean it. What's unfortunate is that this is a lot of people's stories and I don't know how, how do we change it? Maybe changing that is these conversations and the work that we're about to really explain and, and get into, like, how do we stop the perpetuation and the lineage being passed down that men leave, that they don't stay, that families break up. And I'm not saying that every relationship is supposed to last until death do you part. Sure. Sure. Maybe there's every relationship has an end. And sometimes that end is before you actually go, you know, six feet under, Mm. but that doesn't mean leave your children. Like that just fucks me up. Like don't leave your fucking children. And then those children, if they don't wind up becoming, you know, people who want to do the work to break that cycle and break that pattern, they don't even know what the work is. They're going to do it too. And I think, you know, I watch my, my parents get, older. And when I say my parents, I'm talking about my mom who's been on the show. She's been married five times and found true my mom love. Four. Yeah. yeah. And found true love after, you know, at 50 years old, this is her longest relationship. She's 65 now. So she's been together with Ernie for 15 years. So, and that's over half my life. They yeah. have, or about half my life that they have been, or they've been together longer than, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> Almost half your life. Almost half my life. There you go. But like watching her and experiencing her as she's getting older, there's so many things that she's had as realizations at a particular age. It's taken her to get to a particular age before it's important to her to pass down certain kinds of information and make sure that like this thing doesn't. And I don't think she would say things like this doesn't get perpetuated or something, (laughs) but she she's just softening. There's something different. There's a wisdom there. And I respect that so freaking much. And so, yeah. How do we, how do we have some of that come a little bit earlier into the experience so that we can, if we can, you know, before we create a child, yeah, we're focused on that not happening. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would, my response to that would be, and you kind of nailed what I was like starting to think or like what I've thought is, before having kids, <laughs> for the love of God, get into the work. If you at all can't, it's never too late, right? The, what is the, the saying? Like the best time to get into something was yesterday. yesterday. The Second best, best is time. now. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, you know, that's been important to me as, as much as I've been aware of it in more recent years, like I'm preparing to be a father. And mm-hmm. I take that very sincerely. I do want to pause for a cause as you were just riffing there and I was looking at you, I was feeling so much love for you in my heart. Oh, I have a big old heart on for this woman. <laughs> You're just so damn cute and powerful and awesome. I oh. love the shit out of you. Thank you. Yeah. I love getting to do this with you. Mm-hmm. I know it's really special. And also it wasn't always easy y'all for us to be able to sit Mike next to Mike and have these kinds of conversations. And so I'm super grateful that we're able to share a lot of our journey and a lot of our experiences together in this way. Yeah. Please go look at some of my early Facebook lives that we did together when I was like pursuing her because we met on Facebook. I reached out and then I flew out to meet her. It's a whole fun thing. The saga was documented on my Facebook lives. We've grown so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back to you know, men's work and getting into that, you know, you wound up going through high school and eventually getting into college, which you mentioned right at the onset of the podcast yep. that you were a part of a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to Sigma Chi, Delta Xi, San Diego State. That's, that's my man frat voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I never thought that I would wind up being with a frat guy. <laughs> never. I traveled so much after college. Uh-huh. I was pretty certain I wasn't going to date someone who was from America from the States. I was like, nope, I've had enough of this flavor. I'm good. And you strolled right on into my life because I was dating somebody right before you. Well, there was a little fling with somebody who was in New York, but before that it was Serbia and South Africa and all that. I'm like, I'm going to choose someplace exotic. And well, I got this golden boy here. I am the most unexotic, like generic (laughs) white boy you've ever seen. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Let's touch on a little bit deeper into initiations and rites of passage, because I believe, you know, of course, lots of life showed you initiation type experiences and going through life, rites of passage, sure. But there's something about when you describe your time at San Diego State and in that fraternity that I always want to say the name wrong. So I'm just going to say that fraternity. Um, <laughs> Sigma calls it all kind. There you go. Sometimes I call it Kappa Sig. She calls it all kinds of weird names that are not right. In Hoke, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I want to touch on some of the light and then a little of the shadow. Okay. Um, so some of the light is... Again, the shared initiations and in particular, the intention and the ritual around them and um, men doing it together and like physically exerting ourselves, Mm -hmm. Um, overworked, underslept, underfed at times, um, and just like really having to work for something. And, you know, it's, it's like when there's a shared struggle like that. There's a lot of self-worth, confidence, like brotherhood, community connection that comes as a result of that. Sounds like the military. It, well, and I was just going to say, like, there is absolutely, I mean, that's, from my understanding, how fraternities developed, like, and I think it was like, the key point was Vietnam vets coming back from the war. A lot of them got into college and like, they brought some of that intensity and that military, like boot camp, um, hell week kind of vibes to fraternity settings. And so there was definitely very much a lot of that in my fraternity. Um, and so that was a lot of the light and then the ritual around it, like 
so much incredible. And like in hindsight, you know, I couldn't quite appreciate it at the time because I just had no real, con- like I definitely appreciate it. But now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, we were some woke motherfuckers up in there, mm-hmm. like candles and right down to the knocks that we would do. It's kinky as fuck. <laughs> So carry on. Uh huh. And like ritualistic knocks to symbolize certain things and like key markers throughout the semester um, when you're pledging specifically of like turning points. Um, like, yeah, just all kinds of incredible stuff like that. And there's like one, there are a couple of rituals in particular that the whole backdrop of it, the context is vulnerability. It's like where you share your heart. Like there's a whole ritual like opening and there's like passages that are read and um, it's like a candle pass is what we call it. There's other names for it, but a candle pass where you'd pass a candle around and you'd share some shit. Sometimes it would be like a win. It would be gratitude. We didn't necessarily call them those things, but that's like what it was. And sometimes it would be like, I'm really struggling. Like a, a parent or a grandparent just passed away or I'm not doing so well in school or I'm just experiencing like sadness, depression, anger, whatever. And it was just like so special and tender to have that because now I'll, I can transition to the shadow because there's an opposite part of that um, is... You know, a lot of times when it wasn't that sort of safe space to not play it safe, that container where we all were aligned in that outside of that, it was a bit more of that, again, what you might call toxic masculinity of calling, shadow. yeah, of like calling someone a pussy or, or whatever, or the shadow and like some demeaning of women and like there's stuff, you know, like the Hazing. walk of shame and harassing. Yeah, exactly. Um, physical violence yeah. mm-hmm. or physical aggression. Totally. And yeah, a lot of that stuff like didn't resonate with me. And like, I was always standoffish. Like it just didn't feel, I knew it wasn't right. And certainly I played into some of it. And, but I think that most people, certainly the people that I most admired and was deep, most deeply connected with that stuff was like, okay, cool. It's like, we've always done that. That's kind of part of the culture, like live and let live, but we're not really going to feed into it. And then there's always kind of like the more immature wanting to get the rocks off people that would just double down on that shit sadists there you go. <laughs> it is a kinky cult they're all kinky there cults. Is, so there. at what point did you have the cinder block on the string like old school on your balls <laughs> jump off the, but it was supposed to be longer throw it off the throw it off the building yeah. Yeah. Ah! we didn't we did have the elephant walk though and the elephant the elephant walk is where you stand dick to butt and (laughs) you have your thumb and the butt of the person in front of you and you walk around that's we didn't do that no (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like a grand time see now orgies (laughs) it is just Uh i told you it was kinky yep i forgot which next word i was gonna say is cacophony no that sounds and then beyond that too like as a pledge, a lot of that stuff I described was like pledging, like sort of like deeming yourself worthy, becoming worthy and going through difficult initiations to be invited to be a part of this brotherhood in a formal capacity. And on the other side of that, um, there's an incredible business and life training. Like we were managing a six figure budget as 18 to 20 year, 21 year old young men. Um, and like allocating it to all kinds of stuff, philanthropy, fundraiser, like we had um, stipends for people that had certain executive positions. And like we led meetings every Sunday evening where there was like a bunch of ritual around it. So it was very organized and that was just has served me so well in life. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so that was your main introduction yes. to initiation, ritual, intention, brotherhood, in a more formal capacity. Correct. 
right? So after you left, was there, because I think some people go off to the military or they have some kind of really gnarly experience, ritual, initiation, something or other, and then they come back and they don't know what to do with life. Life life feels purposeless and Mm -hmm. the connection is gone. Even if where they were was emotionally by certain standards, emotionally, physically, uh, psychologically abusive in a way, um, where there is a just deep bond. Yep. However, it categorizes to someone who'd be listening to like what Mm -hmm. you went through. There's like a drop. Yeah. They leave and there's like a drop. What do I do now? Was Mm -hmm. that present? Oh yeah. (laughs) Massively. Um, and I imagine a lot of men and people in general can relate to this, but maybe in particular men, um, that lack of purpose and that lack of community and brotherhood specifically, um, it is like evolutionary biology, physiology, psychology, all the things like it is just ingrained in men to have that. And when it's not present, there's just a massive disconnect. Yeah. There's a drop of sorts. There's depression. And I experienced a lot of that. I was more or less kind of like in the limbo of still having one foot and kind of that experience in college and, and post fraternity life. Um, and it was like, but this is done. This season is done, but what do I do next? Yeah. Yeah. And is that feeling of is the best that life has to offer behind me? Oh yeah. And I have so much of life left to live. Holy shit. What makes this worth it? Yeah. Hey there, love bugs. As y'all know, I love sex. And if there's one thing that's for sure going to get in the way of my pleasure and my availability for sexy time, it's my body feeling heavy, my belly bloated, and generally feeling uncomfortable or fatigued. Y'all know I don't shy away from the TMI, so here it goes. Needing to poop and not being able to will 100% of the time get in the way of my yes to sex. I've been on a journey since I was 17 and I had my gallbladder removed due to gallstones and attacks. It's been a guessing game of what works best for my body ever since. I've gone through major ups and downs physically and emotionally. I've thought I've had it all figured out to quickly realize that there's still so much that I don't know about what's going on inside of me. I take my health very seriously. And while there's still so many unknowns, unknowns that I am, of course, committed to going very deep into before walking down the path to motherhood next year, there's still so many question marks. And while I may not have it all figured out, there are a handful of lifestyle products and supplements that really help me feel most like myself. And when my system feels supported, when I'm moving my body and when I'm caring for my vessel, I am simply more receptive to all of the pleasures in life. One of the ways I choose to support myself on my health and pleasure journey is with a line of superfood products called Organifi. Some of my absolute faves, red juice for energy support. Now, I love coffee, but reaching for that in the middle of the day can sometimes be a bit hard on my system. So I love opting for something like Organifi Red because it's mostly made of beets and berries. It allows me to support my energy throughout the day without any additional caffeine intake, which is great because there's no rest in the work that I do, helping people who want a better sex life. And then when I'm ready to wind down, I use Organifi Gold, which is a blend of turmeric, ginger, and adaptogenic mushrooms like reishi and turkey tail. Life running a multifaceted sex and love coaching business can keep me super fired up. 
This tasty superfood blend helps me transition into relax mode so I can be present with my babe and my pups and it for sure prepares me for a really great night's sleep. Above all, the best of the best, in my book anyway, is the mental and digestive support that they offer because a healthy and supported gut equals a healthy mind, which is a lesson I continue to learn over and over again. Organifi Pure helps me with that. Now, I wouldn't share something with all of you that I didn't believe in or that I wouldn't use myself. So I'm sharing this with you all from a place of love and authenticity. Side note, I was in the same Burning Man camp in 2019 with one of the co-founders of Organifi. So I think that's pretty dope too. Anyhoozle, if you are looking for a way to better support your energy, your downtime, your digestion, mental focus, or overall health, check out Organifi at www.organifi.com forward slash TSC. To the listeners of that sex chick, you get an additional 15% off of your order of USDA, organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, 100% organic whole food. You know, I love buzzwords. Your order. Just visit www.organifi.com forward slash TSC and you spell Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash TSC. What was the first experience that you had post leaving college, post exiting fraternity life? What was the next big like, oh, there's more of this available to me? Yeah, I would say the first thing that comes up for me is um, a few years out of college, two, three, something like that. I I had I was with in a relationship with the old college sweetheart for about the better part of six years. And I knew that that was coming to an end. Like it just had run its course, so to speak. I was like in no position to be a, a grounded masculine partner. You know, like I did the training to become um, a, a good quality husband and father. It just, there was much more to be done. Oh, you weren't ready at 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Shocking. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so that came to an end and funny enough, side note, I actually became chapter advisor of, of my fraternity, which I was in way over my head, but it was like, I was trying to hold on to that purpose and the fraternity ended up getting kicked off campus for a season. And like, I was a part of that and it was just, it was, ego death to the max. Like my old life was dying in front of me and I was grasping to hold on and I was paying the price for that. And what did it get kicked off of campus for? Hazing. Yeah. Like the, the things that, you know, on the one hand, again, those initiations, those physical things are very positive and they can be dangerous. And I'll, I'll speak my piece here. I think society has gotten a little too like PC and careful. And I also get why, like, yeah, people have died from stupid, like fraternity shit and from other stupid, like masculine wannabe initiation stuff where there's just not enough safety. And just sometimes stuff happens and it's unfortunate. People die. (laughs) A fun fact of life, you are going to die. (laughs) So living is dangerous business because we are all guaranteed to die. Any hoozle. Yeah. That was not to brush the sincerity of it all or the seriousness of of it all under the rug. Of course. Yeah. And so that was all crumbling. And I was also in a job that was like, you know, the, the job I think I'm supposed to do post-college corporate marketing, put my degree to good use, but it was like, just so not fulfilling. And so my older brother who he was really 
he had really gotten into personal development. He was in the military, he was in the Air Force, and he was like, I think somewhat fresh out of it. He was living in Santa Cruz, going to college up there, and he was getting really into, again, personal development, the power of now kind of stuff. A lot of those um, practices, teachings, masters, and he recommended a book to me. And the book was? The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And it just kind of, and I'd never read a book for leisure in my entire life at that point. I had never read a book that I didn't have to read. And most of the books that I had to read, I didn't actually read. read the cliff notes or looked up, what do I need to know online? (laughs) Yeah. So that just like massive paradigm shift. It just kind of detonated a bomb that was already going off of me a little bit, but it gave a little bit more context and language and understanding to like what might be possible. And so fast forwarding a little bit, I negotiated a remote working situation with my company at the time, um, using the tactics in that book and was able to, or I should say, I, I was like, all right, I have to radically change my life. And so this is one of those initiations that was self-imposed where it's like, I know I have, my soul is crushing. Like there was a couple week period when like the stuff was at its peak where I was just like plagued by anxiety. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping like a few hours a night. Was I couldn't alcohol? hardly eat. Not alcohol was never something I coped with. Mm. Um, it never has really been that way. I definitely some of that actually, now that you say it, probably, I don't specifically recall. Well, I'm just going for the usuals. Yes, sure. Alcohol, (laughs) jerking off. Probably, you know, maybe social media, TV, a cannabis at that time for sure. Yeah. I know too much of your story. Sure. All of my suggestions are leading. They are, aren't they? Um, yeah, pornography was, I'm sure as much as it ever was during that period. I always appreciate how you say the whole word. Pornography. Instead of porn. Very specific. Any hoozle. Yeah. And so he read this book, negotiated the remote working situation, sold everything I owned except for a handful of things I fit in my car. And me and my right-hand man, my firstborn dog son, Biggie James Smalls, who turned 10 this month and is laying right behind me right now, um, we hit the road and did that. Ended up doing that in total for almost a year. Bounced around the country. Um, and I got really into a company at the time called Bulletproof, which was a startup at the time. I imagine most or many people listening to this are familiar, like Bulletproof Coffee, mm-hmm. but it's a full-on lifestyle brand nutrition company, well-known podcast, many best-selling books. And I got really into that. I, for one of the first times in my life, so they had a, a position open in, in the marketing department and my brother sent it to me. He's like, dude. Like, what do you think about this? And it was a junior marketing assistant. So it was kind of like a glorified paid internship. But I was like, dude, I'll scrub toilets to work for a company like that. You know, like, whoa, this is accessible to me to work for a company that I'm like incredibly aligned with. And remote. And remotely, like that's an option. And so I made a funny five minute video all spliced up of why they should hire me. And that was my application. And you could find it on my YouTube, actually. I cringe when I watch it because I'm like, oh, and I'm also like proud like you did it. as shit. For, yeah, I look at back at that previous version of myself, my like, damn, bro, good shit, man. Um, and it got me the job. And I ended up being with that company for almost right around six years, still have ownership in the company. And just it, that really exploded and opened up so many doors and aggressively put me into personal event. I went to dozens and dozens of retreats, personal development conferences, online programs, coaching stuff, just like was consumed by it. And that was incredible. Mm. Mm. I love that. And when we first got together, that was more or less your last year Mm -hmm. with Bulletproof before transitioning out of last year, year and a half or so, something like that. About a year and a half. Yeah. So I'm curious, 
your, because I, like I said, everything that I would ask you is leading because I know your story mm-hmm. pretty well. Yep. I want to talk specifically about some of the, now, yes, Bulletproof puts you in positions where you were serving or educating on yep. biohacking, healthy lifestyle, nutrition, living, science, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Of course, you were introduced to things like breathwork, meditation, just mm-hmm. holistic well-being. Sure. Now, what was some of the the events, workshops, things that you attended that were your choice yet that you invested in? Oh, yeah. Great question. Because um, those are different. Yep. So probably the first big one that comes to mind is a group called Tribe Design, International Tribe Design. And the first experience I, I went on, ended up going on several of their retreats and ended up being like one of their, I guess you could call them coaches or influencers. He's in their downline. <laughs> you drank their Kool-Aid. Yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid in it. It served me well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, so that really, I mean, you got a hundred plus people or around a hundred people. It's somewhere between 50 and hundred, depending on the retreat. Um, for four or five days, something like that in like a, remote, awesome area. Like that first one was in Hawaii on the Island of Kauai. And the idea, like the, the core concepts are radical honesty, raw, authentic communication, elevated connection, and like a lot of communication and embodied exercises. It was a bit more communication in the beginning. And then later down the line, a lot of, I brought a lot of like the bioenergetic embodiment work. Cause I got into that and other ways that I'll get into it here in a second. But yeah, like I experienced like the deep embodied courage of being vulnerable, like at Mm. the highest level, like Mm. where you would be in in front of 50 to hundred people and sharing like the shit I'm most ashamed about the stuff that I don't want anybody to know, because if they knew it, they would judge me. They wouldn't like me. Um, I would just feel the worst I could imagine. And it was like, we're going there. We're doing that. Mm. And every variation thereof. And that, when I learned, you know, some concepts of like, what's most personal is most universal, you know, the shit that feels most scary to me, like everyone can relate in one way or another. I mean, once I started to really understand that, and then, and then I, as being a student, I was like, well, I want to lead this kind of shit too, because I, I love this. And I have like that knack for expressing, for holding space and, um, edutaining is your conscious court jester. Yes. And, (laughs) and so like really just being a student to become a practitioner, watching these facilitators do this stuff. It's like, wow, that is incredible shit. And after a handful of these, I then started to show up as a facilitator and that was amazing. And then the next big one was Elliot Hulse and grounding camp, his grounding camps, which that's much more of the like counterbalance, if you will, the other part of personal development that I think sometimes is the unsung hero that I think, especially for men, is maybe the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's under the umbrella of bioenergetics. What does that mean? Bioenergetics is the energy that's present in your biology. Shocker. And it's kind of like maybe you've heard the phrase, the issue is in the tissue or the issues are in the tissues. What's that fellow's name? It said that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Long. Uh, bioenergetics, breath work, like the father of breath work. Not Wim Hof. No, no, the father, father of breath the... work. There's Will. There's a few. There's Wilhelm Reich. Um, maybe I'm thinking him. Maybe. I, mean, I thought there was somebody that had a bit of a longer name that was like German or something. 
Wilhelm Reich was German. Well, I know he's German, yeah. so maybe it was him, but I yeah. thought there was somebody else that had a bit of a longer name and Wim Hof didn't invent breath. <laughs> no, that's why I was like, huh? no, um, <laughs> he didn't, but he's there's really others. There's yeah, it. definitely others. Um, and it was in the day of like Carl Jung and Freud and like all of them, there was, yes. um, these people were all in cahoots with one another, so to speak. And so I became like fascinated by that. Cause I went to Elliot Hulse's grounding camp where he was doing a lot of this stuff, which is again, a very embodied stuff. It's like lion's breath, like staring in the eyes of another man for an fucking hour mm-hmm. and making faith and, like, ah, and like embodying like a lion and like clawing at each other. And it sounds maybe a little bit weird and it is. And it is like, there's so much primal energy in a man's body in particular that is not exercised in the modern day no. and is unnatural. Yeah. Like, you know, being in these, like everything that most modern humans do in like a developed society is like, you know, there's so much product of the mind everywhere. And it's a grateful tool, but a lot of people have become like slaves of those tools and sort of in a trance by them. And the other stuff's still there. Yeah. And, And another great way to describe this concept is like, you know, there's talk therapy, which is like the communication stuff. And this is body psychotherapy. Yeah. So this is like body stuff and there is so much happening in the body. There's so much like repressed expressions that then become suppressed or like subconscious in the tissues of the body. And that's got to get out somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, and it can be something that happened in childhood and all the way up to the present moment that I may not even remember. Um, but it comes out sideways. It comes out as like a passive aggressive, resentful, whatever toward you potentially or, or toward somebody, you know, whatever. Right. Or it comes out like in autoimmune issues. Oh, dis-ease in the body. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. It comes out in health. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so that really resonated with me even more th- than the communication stuff. Cause I felt like I always had a decent grasp on that. Um, throughout life, I certainly was taken to another level, like sure. <laughs> simple things like using I statements and owning my own expression instead of you know, when you do this and you feel this way and then you go do this. And like when, when I hear people talking like that, I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't you project that shit onto me? Like own your experience and I'll own mine. I immediately or like, disengage with those people. Totally. And like, unless they're I had my no, family. And <laughs> right. And I had no awareness. Like people were f- flaunting their wee wees around everywhere. Mm. You know, when we do this, is, I'm like, put your wee wee away. I don't want to see that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to hear it. I'm not a part of your weed. I'm not a part of your weed. Um, and so, yeah, definitely like things like that in the communication element. But then again, there was this other part that was so intriguing that I had never like heard of really, but it made so much sense. And then when I experienced it, like a lot of Osho active meditations are a big part of that world, which breath work, like <laughs> crazy catharsis, like any emotion that I've ever had or anyone that has wants to be expressed, like having the space to just let that out, screaming and crying and laughing as hard as I can and having a container to do that in this, this grounding man, grounding camp in particular, and other even more immersive experiences like the Tantra energetic stuff with a mentor of sorts, Chrisana Locke, who just holds incredible space and trained directly under Osho in his heyday. Um, a lot of that stuff. Hmm. I could talk about this shit forever. I know that you can. And we have, there will be an end to this podcast. Ah, I don't know if y'all noticed, if you think I can gab, imagine what like a real life conversation with Jordan and I is like. (laughs) It's good shit. I think it's good (laughs) shit, but we both are usually not short for words. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, these experiences you sought out and you attended. Yep. Um, very quickly, what were some of the feels that you got in deciding to go do some of those things? Oh, it was terrifying. Like it's in you know, the fear of the unknown. It's like, yeah, it takes a lot of courage to, to invest the money, you know, like I remember that first tribe design retreat, I think it was like $2,200. And at that time, you know, how was six, seven years ago, that was like, where the fuck am I going to get that kind of money? Mm -hmm. and, and like, yeah, I couldn't even fathom investing that money into like a retreat, you know, like a reach. That's like a, a vacation, you know, that's how that was where my sort of old paradigm um, influence was. And it was like, well, no, 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 no. This is the most important investment of my money and energy I can imagine. And once I just trusted that and committed, then I was like, oh, then I became a junkie. And I've easily tens of thousands of dollars in stuff after that. Cause once I experienced it, I was like, holy shit, this is so important. And like yeah. the ROI is incredible. This so, is way more valuable to my life than yeah. any thing yeah and any physical thing yeah um and so that's that's where like the work starts you know it's like making that commitment and <laughs> charging the credit card or whatever whatever i had i think i literally did charge that all on a credit card because i didn't have that kind of like liquid cash available at that time and it was like once that happened i vividly remember it was like the universe was responding it was like validating me and, or it would even throw more stuff back. How serious are you about this? Like how committed are you? And there was like, you know, there'd be seductive happenings to be like, ah, you sure you don't want to back out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Call that resistance. Resistance. In, in the yes. biz. Mm -hmm. In the biz. In the, the biz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, cause I can imagine for a lot of people who could be listening to this or like I mentioned before, we have a large chunk of our listeners in our fellowship is women. And mm -hmm. I imagine some of them will just send this podcast link to mm -hmm. their friend, brother, significant other, mm -hmm. somebody. And be like, yeah, cool. Great for that guy. <laughs> I won't do that. Or maybe this may, who knows? I never know what the content, what effect our content will have on other people. All sure. I know is let's share it in its real raw authenticity mm -hmm. and see what happens. And if somebody can take something from it, then amazing. And if they can't, well, then fuck them. They don't belong following us. Hey Amen. If you're lucky, you can get out. I'm just kidding. And also <laughs> slightly serious, I guess. Um, so I imagine that there's some men that would think, where would I even begin to yeah. do something like that or to choose something like that? Like, how do you know you're, you're investing in something that's really high quality, that's going to be well held, that is going to like really move your personal needle forward and you're not just going to give money to some charlatan charlatan <laughs> self-proclaimed whatever but all life coaches are self-proclaimed by the way you're just mm. self-proclaiming guru of sorts like how, how do you know who to trust well you know firstly by just like exploring right like mm -hmm. we live in an age where there's so much content it makes my ears bleed um but yeah you can like if somebody is hosting something facilitating something it's like go check them out, check out yeah. their social media handles and all the things and, and get a feel for if you like their vibe. Cause there's plenty of people that do incredible stuff that I so support energetically, like from afar, but I'm not interested in being like in a container with them. And that's nothing against them per se. It's just not my style. Right. And so I've always looked at like, 
who is kind of my style? Who do I just feel a deep resonance with an excitement um, and still like a little bit of a fear and aversion, but like an excitement to like courageously um, sure. potentially do something that they're facilitating. So that's part of it. And then at some point it's like, you can mentally masturbate and stick in the paralysis by analysis trap for fucking ever. And I've seen so many people do it and I've been a victim of that. Um, and, and be like, ah, and just wait till it's perfect. And right. shocker, it's never going to be perfect. You just mm -hmm. have to, at some point, trust and surrender as they say, and just pull go for it and pull the trigger. Um, and, and online stuff, especially nowadays, there's not nearly as much in-person event stuff happening. Um, that still is, you know, incredible. Nothing is a substitute for in-person stuff, but certainly a complementary piece and a very important piece as well is the virtual stuff, which right. is a little bit like, it's way less of a barrier to entry. You don't have to do the whole travel thing. They're typically sure. less expensive mm -hmm. and it's a great place to start. You can do it from the comfort of your own home, so to yeah. speak. It can feel less aggressive. <laughs> yeah. You can dip your toes in, so to speak. And I, I do like the piece where you can get started and you yep. can feel it out and try someone on for size and decide, Oh, I really enjoy this person's energy and space. Mm. And I can feel the difference in my body and it feels really good versus working with someone who it's just kind of a backwards version of shame or mm. manipulation. And it's really, to me, I love working with people where everything's an invitation. It's like, mm. here it is. This is what I'm doing. And come on for the ride if you want to come on for the ride. Mm -hmm. And so I think for you navigating some of these, these things along the way, there's so many flavors and so many other levels to grow. Um, your life has led you to these places mm -hmm. and then led you to me uh -huh. and personal development has stretched into another bucket. Oh yeah. And the sex, sex, love and relationships in general, for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I really enjoy doing work on my inner child and <laughs> looking at all the shit that was or wasn't present when I was growing up and continues to play out in these really beautiful, magical and fucking frustrating ways as an adult and I can never be rid of it. That's cool and all. And I can only take doing so much of that work. Totally. And before I'm like, this needs to be fun. Oh, yeah. Hot, sexy joyful. Yep. I want a, a heavy dose of, of excitement, thrill, adrenaline, um, eroticism. I want a nice dose of that with my, let me cry and process for a couple hours in the corner. So yeah. let um, me, I would love to give a quick little example of that. Sure. So I so agree. Like my kind of brand, oh, personal development, my style is sincere, but not too serious. Um, it's like, it's very playful. It's very expressive. An example of, of something that I do that's like just such a unique thing. I think that most people in general and, and men have, have not experienced is freestyling. Mm -hmm. And so like I do this in person virtually where I'll host a freestyle circle. And so we'll throw on a beat or like we, as like a, a men's circle collective will create a beat. And then each person has the opportunity to freestyle. So to just like speak off the cuff. It doesn't have to rhyme necessarily. It's cool if it does, if you're like better at it or if you want to like try that, or it can just be like spoken word, flowetry, whatever comes out and just being so present in your body and in the moment and in all the feels of being seen in a vulnerable way like that. When I do this in my manifestation men's group, it never ceases to amaze me how maybe one or two of them have done it, but most of them have not. And they are just 
fucking lit up afterwards. And it, you know, it's so brings up so many feels. It's so kind of scary. And then on the other side, I was like, wow, that was awesome. I want to do that all the time, Mm -hmm. but also never again. (laughs) So thank you for that. Hmm? I was trying to get you to talk about sex. So clearly I'm not that great of a podcast host (laughs) because my guest just wants to do whatever the hell he wants to do. (laughs) Just wants to lead y'all. I'm an unruly mofo. In all kinds of directions for approximately six and a half hours. At least. So he just wants to live in this office (sighs) with the shelves, with all of the sex toys and the dildos and the bright, shiny lights (sighs) and all the cool equipment. He just wants to live here with the headphones and the microphone. Mm -hmm. Tell his story. Okay, baby. Let's let's do the sex thing. Come on. (laughs) Take your clothes off. (laughs) Shut up. <laughs> okay so yes i was leading you in that direction though i really do love a good freestyle circle and i have been a witness to you leading freestyle circles at retreats and experiences and i'm always very surprised and impressed what some people have inside of them yeah that they don't even know that they have mm. inside of them and that is a translate slash segue into more of the sexual stuff sure. and for us specifically when you came into our relationship i was deep in personal development too of course, I have my own preferred flavor that that I enjoy and I love doing all kinds of retreats and experiences, but I personally feel very grounded to myself. Yeah. My if I look at my the more woo in my chart and my stars and all of the above, my elements are wood and fire a lot. And yours, I believe, are the same. Mostly more fire than more fire, than yeah. anything. But mine are um, wood. I go wood. That's Chinese. She likes herself Earth. some wood. Shut up. This lady. Earth. I promise you she does. Jordan. I will not ever stop. So <laughs> earth. I didn't mean wood. What, what did you make me do? Stop it. <laughs> earth and fire. So I feel very grounded. So some of the like really airy fairy. I don't even know how else to describe it. Like I will sit in the corner of an experience. And I'm just like, I'm absolutely not doing this. Like I'm just and and not because I have so much work to do before I can do that. I'm just simply not that kind of person. And I see a, a type of ego and a type of energy that I just don't want to mingle with. Like I'm I'm cool, feet firmly planted on the ground. And so anyway, um sharing I don't know why I was sharing that. You distracted me. <laughs> I had a reason and now I forgot it. Mm. We're talking about the sexy stuff and yeah. we're into personal development. Yeah. We first yeah. met. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. then when we first met, um, I presented that to you as if you want to be in a relationship with me. This is a requirement is to go on a sexual development journey mm-hmm. alongside entangled with <laughs> your personal development journey. And I think you had never really been exposed to any of that before. Minimal for sure. And I'm going to fast forward us through that um, and just say we've attended numerous workshops, lots of weekend long experiences we've done. We've personally hosted because this is my work is in sex, love and relationships. And then through a lot of education and dragging Jordan to things and stuff and Mm -hmm. being present on some of his group calls and all of that, he's gotten a lot of exposure to what I would call personal sexual development. And so that I'm sure has really transformed how you interact with your sex, sex with me and just like sex in general. I think before you were facilitating and you'd become a facilitator in your own right and and hosting programs and groups and all that, but they didn't really touch on it was like, yeah, own your sexuality, whatever that means. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 
if that, you know, there's, yeah. it's one of those things where it is such, it permeates every element of one's life of my life. I'll say, um, is sexuality and like awareness, experimentation, healing, um, courage, all those things in that context. But it's so, I hate to even use the word taboo anymore because fuck that noise, but it's just like one of those things where it's like, ah, we'll just leave that one, that stone unturned. Right. But I think so many people just simply don't know. They don't know what's available. They don't know like the thought of communicating on certain subjects. It's like, I don't even know the language. I don't even know what to say or how to say it. And it's been bred this hush hush culture of like, we don't talk about this has bred a bunch of people that, are just kind of like dopey and lost in the subject, or they only understand communicating about sex is a sexual thing instead of it is a regular old topic. Yeah. And this is how we communicate it. And we can talk about the weather and we can talk about your last orgasm mm-hmm. and we can talk about when you're going to the dentist next. And mm-hmm. we can talk about the last thing you had inserted into your butthole. <laughs> so it's, you know, that's at least what, what, I'm on a mission to do uh-huh. is to create put those kinds in my of butthole. is to put things in his butthole. <laughs> no, is to get the conversation to be that kind of neutral of sorts. So, personal development for you is now incorporated more sex stuff, which Absolutely. I love. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are some of the highlights of that? Yeah, it started with just the awareness of it being a personal development practice, and then treating it as such. Um, surrounding myself ourselves with sexual influence so like first erotic novels i've ever read were since dating you so i would have never thought to read an erotic novel like that's weird is like what i would have said or like i'll read anything else first before that you even listen to them on audio i have and they're hot they're so hot and i get so much like inspiration and and ideas from those so yeah like that's been a thing and like certainly the world of of bdsm um and i was already into tantra when we met but like a different context of it like it was very applicable and i was like leveraging it so to speak or it was integrated into my sexual practice but not with these other elements present. It was more just like the breath work, the the deep presence that Tantra um, teaches, but um, these other elements just make it so much more well-rounded and they, again, permeate to other elements of life. Um, and I always really hung my hat on, frankly, being good looking and charming. And it's like, okay, cool. I can like, you know, play that game and connect with women and always very respectful and like so much so that like I would sometimes oftentimes fall into the trap of like the nice guy and like really like not wanting, you know, the me too movements that being like deathly afraid to be overly masculine, um, or probably overly sexual or overly, overly sexual. Absolutely. And since like being with you had like the, these influences and the opportunity to have that reflection and to like be a little risky, so to speak, and flex some of those muscles that were like pretty unconscious. And it's been incredibly rewarding. Mm. Yep. I've even drug him to a weekend long workshop called Tantra meets BDSM a couple times where I shoved my finger into the soft spot in his jaw so hard mm-hmm. that he, I never see this guy get properly like fired up angry because he is like he said, like the nice guy, he's chill. He's happy. Go lucky. He's all these things. I stuck my fucking finger right in that spot. And he just went, he just like made two fists and 
just turned completely red and shouted so loud. And I was like, that's what I want to (laughs) fuck. So we play a really delicious dance. Mm -hmm. You know, he's my bright, shining ray of sunshine, light of my life. And I'm his dark, moody cloud. Young. Yeah, sure. Because they call it yang, not yang, (laughs) not yin yang, yin yang. Did the person who developed yang also correct everyone who says chakras? Yes, it is chakras, (laughs) not chakras, chakras. (laughs) So I know that there's been so much more that we have not spoken about when it comes to your development and what men's work could look like or doing the work when it comes to being a man today. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly my journey looked similar to yours at certain pieces and and parts, but very different as I would say a young woman going through my developmental journey. Mm -hmm. And I am curious. um, I want to touch a little bit on your specific flavor that's developed. You know, it's something that you didn't mention and I don't go too far into it, but you Mm -hmm. did develop a a brand called the mystic misfit for a little while Mm -hmm. where you, your best friend, Kevin, who's going to be the MC at our wedding and um, your brother and best friend who is going to be best Best man man. at our wedding. uh, The three of you did your unique spin on Mm -hmm. all of those things. And when we first got together, you were working for bulletproof and you were doing things for a mystic misfit and you don't do that much for, or with mystic misfit. Now you all have like the band has been broken up, but not with like a note of permanence. It's just, everyone is in pretty much different stages of life. And one of you is in a completely different country. So, you know, you have learned, I think a lot from that time and just trying shit on and being like, okay, I'm not claiming to be a guru, but I'm a little further on the journey. I'm further than where I I was. And I'm surrounded by people who where who I, who are where I was so I can help. Mm. I'm not going to claim to be the be all end all, but let me just tell you the next couple of steps on the path. And then eventually, you know, us getting together and then us moving to Austin and COVID and things just really shaken out the way that they shook, shook out over the last like year and a half, two years. Mm. Uh, Eventually you have forged your own very unique path. And I'm so grateful when you, we were first getting the podcast started seven and a half hours ago, um, you were talking about, you know, just your flavor and what you really enjoy in personal development. And I was like, you make, if this podcast is any inclination, y'all you make men's work and doing the work so much less lame. Mm. It's so fun. I mean, I, love when you get on your calls and I love whenever you, you know, say that you're going to do to host a man meet, because I know that is like, you're just going to shine. You are just such a a ball of radiating love, energy, presence, empathy. You're such a great soft, but also strong at the same time place for other men to land. You're so relatable. And a lot of people claim that they are the bridge, you know, Mm. that they are a bridge from this or that. And I know you like to use the terms esoteric and generic. There's a bridge there, but I mean, you know, bros, like real, just bros that grew up very similarly to how you grew up. And just, they're just now starting to find their way to the, I want more from life. The consciousness, if you will. Yeah. I just, I want more from life. Like I'm not, if this is it, like just end it now. Yeah. You know? 
So, and they're finding their way a little bit to your energy field and you just get to be this like beautiful circus of like, this is what life can be. And it's not the easier way out. Cause it's certainly like saying you want more from life. doesn't mean I want to find like getting to where you find more joy and can actually be like, wow, yes, fuck yes to life means the exact opposite of that also. So I think what people are like, I want more from life. And it's just this steady, neutral, boring, or even sad. Yeah. Or like the weekend warrior thing, you know, where yeah. like, it's like, I just live, live for the, for weekend, the weekend or fucked up and like, yeah. feel like shit and do it all over again. Surface level fun or party or something. I don't know. I don't want to make these like gross claims that nobody's life is... <laughs> good if they don't go the road or the road down a road of personal development. I'm just but if you seeing did, that at some point, like. the question is like, what else is there? And yeah. sometimes the break for people is the breakup of a family or the breakup of a relationship, or it's mm. like they force something huge to like explode yep. or self implode in their relationship so that they can get the shift or the change that they want, that they can mm. crack themselves open and get to the next level or layer um, of who they are so that they can feel. I think mm. that there's just the, a lot of people get to a point where they're like, I just want to fucking feel something, yeah. anything, attraction to my partner, lust for life, Oof. a desire to experience pleasure to, I, I just want to feel like I'm a fuck yes to myself. Ooh, you know? she's, she's, so, speaking of, she's all fire. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's deep. It's deep mm. shit. So I don't know where I was going with that. I, you were just on the soapbox and I was just in awe. Like, for, yeah, I feel you. Where do I sign up? <laughs> I'll go to war with you, baby. I know that you will. Having uh, these kinds of conversations with you and your little like dialogue on the side, I'm like, I don't even remember what I was saying. I'm a hype so and I'm totally, I am a world-class hype I'm man. Totally I'm totally going to blame yeah, my lost go. train of thought on you. You can't. And my devilish good looks. That, yeah. Ah, sure. yeah. She's helpless, y'all. Anyway, I think where I was really, where I really was is that I think a lot of that was kudos to you and forging a path that doesn't look boring and sad and like doing the work has to be this deep, dark inner child, go to your therapist, which by the way, have one of those, if you don't have one of those or a coach or somebody that you work with. Um, and I put my finger up in the air, have one of those. Those are great too. And I just love that you've, you've forged a path where you're creating experiences and environment for an environments for people to be like, yeah, I do want more from life mm. and it gets to be a party. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to like celebrate you and your sadness and your tears. It's like someone gets vulnerable in one of your containers and they start to cry and it's like, come on. Like you're yeah. so Give me more. cheering for mm. them in it. So it's not just like, yeah, I'm also sad. Everybody, if you could rub your hands together and send some love to the, John in the square on the zoom screen, you know, it's just like, fuck yeah. Like you feel. Uh -huh. So anyway, I would love like, let's say our, our last couple minutes mm -hmm. for you to maybe give a little explanation of how you've come to your, your personal brand of yeah. men's work and what it's like to, let's say work with you. Yeah. I would say it's sampling the buffet. There's so much awesome stuff out there, and I've been so fortunate to experience a lot of it, um, all the stuff that I described. And I love that you referenced the Mystic Misfits because we were like a, a traveling conscious boy brand, if you will. And it's funny you said that we're not gurus, like you kind of like use that language. And our gurus tagline was the gurus of fun. 
And that was like, our thing was like, how can we just create the most fun container that is meaningful? It's not just, like that has a deeper meaning and like brings up just big energy and expression, all those kind of things. Cause that just felt most authentic to me and to us. And that's something that I've carried into my personal stuff. And I very much see myself as the player's coach. And you've heard me use this analogy before, you know, instead of like, you know, coach of a basketball team, for example, I love basketball. It's my shit. Um, there's certain coaches that are like, they feel like a coach. They are, they're, you know, they just have like an older kind of energy to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is one style that can be very effective. And then there's like the player's coach who just has a young vibrance to him. And even though he's not technically on the field or on the court with you, it feels like he is. He is like yelling, he's energized, he's encouraging, he's like leading the troops by being like a servant leader. He's like, feels like he's doing it with you. I mean, that's very much my style. So like in my stuff, I'm like, I'm doing like, I have like a thing called rejection therapy. Like we're like asking and for big things or doing scary things that we might get rejected in. And like, I want to win that game as you know, one as the, the facilitator and the holder of this container is like, I'm going to push this so that I can like forge the path and lead the way for others to really push themselves. Yes. I will put something in your butt. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You well. won't get rejected. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I'm sure he has for it. He, they, uh-huh. I don't know who God is. I don't know what pronouns God uses. Well, we all know that God is a man. That so, is a fact. If that's a fact, then I don't see what he has to do with that. He but he has a big as, white beard. We might as well thank and him. He's a Caucasian American. So. <laughs> 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 All right. And what else happens in here? <laughs> Just we could end it now. <laughs> No, that uh, feels yeah. like you've just left it. Uh, and apparently God is Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I like to picture my God as a Santa, a Santa, just a jolly fat man who loves cookies and milk <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and gives gifts. All right. So mm-hmm. your brand mm-hmm. men's work. You said something about God. You were going on some sort of trail, but I wasn't. I, I, I just said you. God had nothing to do with me putting something up your butt. You oh, said God, <laughs> Lord willing, or please God, and I was like, He doesn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so that that is essentially it. Like it, it's a fun, safe space to not play it safe. It's like I mentioned, sincere but not super serious. Um, it's the work in a different kind of style and container, um, where there's a lot of again embodiment, breath work. There's that bioenergetic body psychotherapy element that is, I mean, yeah, that is like a big part of the experience. There's certainly plenty of the talk therapy, if you will, and communication exercises and stuff like that counterbalanced by the embodied stuff. Sure. Well, you know, my, in our programs, just to make this podcast, um, this eight and a half hour long podcast Ah, about me and what we do, Mm -hmm. uh, that has been something it's taken us years really Mm -hmm. and, and I say us now it's taken me and now the team is, has grown, but taken us years to make programs that focus a at least a third of all of our products and services on embodiment yeah and that's something that when we first met you were doing right away it was more embodiment kind of exercises getting the body involved in the process over just the mental masturbation and the (laughs) the mind circles that Mm -hmm. people can get into some people can get into. So, um, yeah, I, I love that you do that because so many people come on to calls and things. And the first thing that you do is like have them do all kinds of weird shit uh-huh. and it's awesome. And I'm sure so many people who've never experienced any kind of 
work like that mm-hmm. are just like, fuck, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah. I'm always, I'm, I always like creep in on your calls mm-hmm. occasionally and like just sneak in. I'm like, oh my God, they're so cute. And I love that. And I oftentimes will do like an Insta story or I'll share my piece as the person who is with someone who focuses on this area of life or like just generally speaking, like focuses on being and doing better. Um, and it feels so good. We don't have all the things figured out, uh, but we do, we have some things, figured out. <laughs> but I'm really impressed with both of us and how we show up in conflict because we're never not going to have conflict. It's just not, not going to happen. But I like, I really like the way that we show up, how we own our shit and we make it through conflict mm-hmm. and we make it through conflict on the other side in love. Yeah. And it feels so fucking good to be in partnership with someone who's committed to himself first, to our relationship second. And I would even say purpose third. That's not very David Data, is it? It's not. Purpose is always first. Well, <laughs> what if your purpose is fueled through me? Well, it is. I like, obviously, I'm Those so things are kind of like more and more aware of that. Yeah. Like you, through me, you can have anything. Mm. <sighs> anything. Ain't it the truth. It is a truth. Mm. So it feels so incredible to be supported mm. in relationship with someone who is like, holy shit, doing mm. this. And then I love sharing about how it feels being the partner to someone who's affecting change in so many other relationships. Because I know that men come to you for all kinds of reasons, whether that's health or mindset or a business thing that they want to do, or they want some strength in some other area of life. But a lot of them, I'd say probably a hundred percent of them are challenged in some way, shape or form when it comes to sex and relationships. Absolutely. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest one. And I think, wow, their current partner or their future partner or partners are like, it's, just going to change. Everything's going to change doing this work Mm -hmm. and it feels really good. Mm. So to round out our nine hour and 42 minutes, it's been like an hour and 19 minutes. It has technically been one hour and 19 minutes. I think we're doing good. Not very many of our episodes are that lengthy. And this was supposed to be a bonus episode that in my mind, I was like, it'll take 30 minutes for this bonus episode. This is a really big topic of conversation. And I realized as I was trying to kind of, get us to the finish line. There's still so much more oh, yeah. that we could talk about. Cause I, I didn't have a script for this one. And I usually do have a handful of questions, but this one I was like, let's wing it. Of course. Saddle up y'all. We're going for another hour. Winging it looks like over an hour long conversation. Yeah. But even when I have the, the little sheet, it still mm. kind of gets a little lengthy, a little yeah. girthy. Ah, little girthy. Like, so fun fact, everyone. And it? Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> News flash. Yep. Sex and Love Co. is our company. Mm-hmm. We have grown. I am that sex chick. Jordan, you can find him everywhere as Conscious Bro. And I'm sure you heard through this podcast episode, definitely Conscious Bro. <laughs> Sometimes more conscious than bro. More often than not, more bro than conscious. You know. I would say. 60, 40-ish. So our company, our team has expanded. It used to be me as a solopreneur, as the kids call it. And I used to have one-on-one clients and run a group program here or a group program there. And things 
have been moving and grooving and shaking and expanding. And, you know, we're running programs for um, women and Bryn is leading the charge. She's, um, I would say our head coach, our head assistant support coach, and she's running a program. I have my own programs with sex coach prep school, where I'm helping to train and teach uh, people who want to do work in this field. Um, that's like my area. And then of course, for Jordan, he is working with men and he is, and he has been officially a part of our team for the better part of six months, hmm? half a year. Has it been that long? Wow. So that's pretty incredible. So, you know, when men come to me on social media or in our email, cause it's really interesting more often than not, they, yeah, I get DMS, but a lot of times I get something from the contact form on the website. That's just like, do you have anything for men? And up to this point, I have been saying, no, if you want to do work in this area, in this field, I've worked with some men in the last year that are sex coaches or men's coaches, and they want business advice for working in this space, but they, you know, it's just different. It's different. Their everyday person is not, is not a fit for that kind of teaching and that kind of container. When I say container, I mean like you're entering a coaching, I don't know, I'll say it, container program. This is the start and this is the finish yeah. and you're inside of it until, of course, if you and will. Still, until it's done. So Jordan is now running programs for the first time under Sex and Love Co. Umbrella. umbrella yep. And at the point of this recording, you are currently enrolling for our signature men's group program. Whoa, signature, she says. That's your signature. And so it's the only one that we have for men today. So it is our signature men's group facilitation. That feels fun and grown up like. Program. <laughs> Buzzwords. <laughs> we are life coaches. <laughs> Want to join our downline. So Jordan's currently enrolling for Man, capital M-A-N, ifestation. Do you get it? Manifestation. Do you get it, y'all? Men calling man in, in. like men. Calling in everything they want in this life and beyond. And in the afterlife, too, I heard. Ah, did you hear that? <laughs> did Santa God tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> I don't know how you knew that. Well, all seeing, he, all knowing. He gave, he gave me a present to... Did he? Yes. Well, it? he gave you a present to give to me. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Dick in yet. The box. No, he, I just, are you going to give it what? to me after this when we're done? I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Jordan, stop Alexa, it. I will not. So he's enrolling in manifestation now and we're really excited about it. And you have not really been all that public with mm-hmm. the information um, because you had a number of people who were inquiring about it from the last time. Mm-hmm. You took a little break, a little hiatus over our uh, COVID experience. And if you are not familiar with that story and that whole unfolding, there is a podcast there is. episode that was probably about six and a half hours less than this one. <laughs> I think that one was at least also as long. long. <laughs> it was also really long. Um, but anyway, we took a break and now we're back and better than ever. <laughs> and so anyway, we had some people who were um, more or less enrolled from then. And now you have them in the program officially. It's getting started very soon. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested, of course, come and find us, contact us. It will be linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But if it comes to, you know, you, you get this information, you listen to the show and we are not currently enrolling, find us anyway. Join mm-hmm. our groups, join mm-hmm. our free offers. We have so many things going on all the time. Um, but just saying, get on our radar, 
connect with us, send messages to either Jordan or myself on Instagram so we can keep you informed when we're going to be doing them again. We've got in-person things coming up Oh yeah, for the first so time in a really that. long time. But the main event, right meow, right meow. is manifestation signature. I'm going to keep saying signature, signature, signature program. Will you give just a couple of little the details? Yeah. So it's a eight week virtual men's group experience. Um, weekly calls where we do a lot of the stuff I've been talking about, um, a lot of personal one-on-one um, connection with others in the group with rotating accountability buddies, as I like to call them, um, to just keep you accountable to your greatness, the proverbial you, um, and like social disruption challenges and brome work because it's like, it's homework, but that's for L7 weenies. Brome work is for bros. And we, they're like, you know, we, like I said, we, we kind of set high bars and standards for one another. We're like, how courageous can we bars. be? And then we drop bars freestyle. Come on. You want me to drop a bar right now? I'll drop I feel like a bar right you... now. I'll get wickedy wow. Oh, I won't do that. Um, ridiculous. Uh, yep. I'm a ri- ridiculous. <laughs> you are. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up in a nice eco-friendly, sustainable, gluten-free bow. Um, that's the gist of the experience. All the things I talked about and I do it like two to three times a year, but we have the one starting here in like the next week. Yeah. So get in. And Are Alexa you... will be a guest facilitator. I will. I, mm-hmm. I, you've done this now three times. This will be my fourth, fourth, yes. fourth time, fourth times. <laughs> I come in and I talk about the sex things. Shocker. So, um, are you going to invest or not? <laughs> <laughs> Stepbrothers reference anyone? Come on. I referenced all kinds of stuff on this podcast. Uh, you being here gives me permission uh, yep. to take myself way less serious. I dig it. Uh, that was not grammatically correct. You being seriously, way less serious. Way oh, seriously, less seriously. Uh, I'm the grammar police. Yeah, All right, love fun. bugs. This has been a big old conversation yeah. about Jordan's journey to being a great man. <laughs> oh, that feels good to hear. Yeah, you should work it on it. Of course, you're of it's course a, a much better man since I've come into your life. <laughs> well, definitely, I need to give all credit of who I am and am becoming to that sex chick. I'm not going to keep going. That's all you get, oh, which well, is a lot. How about this? Mm. You're welcome. <laughs> now get on your knees. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. I yeah. can do that right now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hit end. Okay. See you on the next episode. I will see you there. I will see you at another time. On another time. It's confusing. Do less. <laughs> now you're just doing nothing. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.